Welcome to Weekend Rental, episode 91. We are your gaming and geek culture podcast. As always, if you enjoy our content, you can find um, all sorts of other great geeky-related content, whether it be podcasts, articles, and more on a variety of topics over at geekade.com. My name is Ryan. I'm joined by Andy. Hey. And Nate. What's going on, guys? And uh, the roster continues. This is a special episode. We are... Uh, hanging out here tonight with uh, the Stone Age Gamer podcast. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourself? I'm Dan Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not. You're Chris. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Matt Much. <clears throat> that's that's some inside baseball. We're just coming right out of the gate with it. Hi, I'm Chris Randazzo. And I am Dan Ryan. Good evening. <laughs> or morning, whenever you're listening. Well, and welcome to the show. So if anyone's uh, listening to this one and they haven't caught part one, we are kind of teaming up. Uh, with Stone Age Gamer Podcast here. We're, both of our podcasts are on Geekade. We've done part one with them. Please go over and check out their podcast. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue the conversation here. Now it's our time to ask them the hard questions, put them on the spot. Uh, and the best way to do that, we know how, at least on uh, this podcast, is through our segment, By Rent Burn. So for anyone who, who isn't familiar or if you're new to the podcast, what we do is we basically take three games generally for one given system um but not always and we'll we'll look at them we'll talk about them individually a little bit um and discuss which ones at the end of the day making the hard decision which one we would buy which one we would rent and which one we would burn and uh i'm a pretty big fan of uh, the stone age gamer podcast so i wanted to pick some games that i knew were well liked between chris and dan because i want him to kill it it's like often one of your kids i want this to be a hard decision <laughs> oh my uh, gosh. So, the, so when you say burn you don't mean like burn a copy of you mean no like set no, in the legitimately can, burn. that on fire yeah you're torching no. it ryan is going to reach behind him go through his collection yeah. and burn whatever one you say so no. it is the it's it's the merry fuck kill of video games <laughs> um so We'll, we'll basically what we'll do is we'll go through the list here and then we'll go back and we'll talk about each one a little bit, share our thoughts. And then you guys, I'm going to put you on the spot and you're going to have to give us your verdicts uh, at the end. But here's the list. Um, we are going to talk about the three games tonight. It's going to be Streets of Rage 4, uh, Blaster Master Zero, and for some reason, everyone on Geek Kid loves this game, Bubsy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to need to narrow it down? Which Bubsy oh are you talking gosh. about? Because uh, you're going to make it real easy. The OG original Bubsy. Okay. You can, Bubsy it can be Genesis or Super Nintendo. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. I wanted to find something that was more in the vein of newer indie that I knew you'd both had played, but Bubsy it is. Um, but let's start <laughs> off at the top. Let's start off at the top. What we'll do you is really we'll just, settled for that one. Yeah. Bubsy. Open discussion. Streets of Rage 4 um, came out just this last year. It's a fresh take uh, on the Streets of Rage franchise. Um, kind of on everything, but let, let's talk about the game. Love to hear your guys' thoughts. Well, uh, I was initially shocked by it because um, 
<clears throat> so I'm a, I'm a big fan actually because of Banjo Guy Ali, uh, who's an amazing YouTube guy who does these awesome banjo covers of video game songs. Uh, I, I was a fan of his channel like pretty much right when it started, and one of the earliest things that he he covered was a song from uh, a Master System game called Wonder Boy Three: The Dragon's Trap. Um, which I had kind of heard of before, but I didn't have a master system growing up, so uh, I was I never really gave it a shot. But after listening to the music that he covered, I was like, "This is this is amazing! I got to give this a try." So <clears throat> it was available on the Wii Virtual Console, so I downloaded it, and gave it a shot. Absolutely fell in love with this game. I thought it was it, it's this amazing like Zelda Two Metroidvania esque kind of thing. It's just an outstanding game. And to say that you love the music in a Master System game is not an easy thing to do because that <laughs> thing is the screechiest game system. It's uh, it, it, yes. the, just the compositions are incredible in that game. So fast forward to re- relatively recent, I think just a couple of years ago, uh, maybe like three, four years ago, uh, a company called Lizard Cube remade Wonder Boy the Three: The Dragon's Trap as just Wonder Boy: The Dragon's Trap in the most stunningly gorgeous art style I ever seen i mean people cuphead got all the attention and deservedly so cuphead looks amazing but to my eyes wonder boy looks just as good because it's all this wonderful hand-drawn animation but it's not just the animation it's the art direction that they took it in they took all these sprites and they reimagined them in this really really personality filled ways i just just adored it It it's such a wonderful remake you can switch back and forth between the original graphics and sound at any time, just like playing like Monkey Island Special Edition, it was one of the most perfect remakes I'd ever seen anybody ever do. So as soon as that happened, I signed up to this company. It's like you, uh, you own me. You do. Lizard Cube makes another game. I will buy it. I don't care what it is. I can't <laughs> wait to see where they go next. I wrote a whole article on Stone Age Gamer about like these are the games I think they should do next. They should t- tackle Legacy of the Wizard and Super Mario Brothers two and like I just so many ideas flopping into my head of like what else can these guys do with this amazing art style. So they finally announced their next game, and when they said it was Streets of Rage, I was like, "What? <laughs> like, how will how will their art style? Unless they're just going with a totally different art direction, which is entirely possible. I don't know much about this company besides this game that they did, but if it is going to be a similar type of situation, how will that kind of art direction fit the considerably more gritty nature mm-hmm. of a Streets of Rage game?" And then I saw it, and I was like, oh my god, it, it makes sense. It was it was really similar to, like, back when Wind Waker came out, Zelda the Wind Waker. Huge Zelda fan, right? They announced that, showed that first trailer uh, the before the, the, the tech demo thing, right? With Realistic Link fighting Ganondorf. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life! Ah! And then they show the Wind Waker trailer, and it's like this stupid Looney Tunes <laughs> thing where he's, like, running in the air and falling and winking at the camera. Like, you gotta be kidding me. And then... I actually played the thing uh, at a store. Uh, we, me and Dan both worked at a Toys R Us, and we got the demo of it. And I started playing, and I was like, this isn't Looney Tunes. This is Samurai Jack. And it just clicked with me like, oh, my God, it works. This is amazing. That was the same kind of moment when Streets of Rage 4 showed up. Like, this is amazing. When I see Axel do that, like, flaming punch and, like, the way that everything is just animated in this gorgeous way, I couldn't wait to see it. And then, of course, it came out and it it knocked my socks off because it didn't try to reinvent the wheel. It just said, how do we make it? It, it, it did the Contra 4, right? What way forward did with Contra? They were like, all right, screw all this other weird stuff. How do we just make a really good Contra game? Like, because that's all anyone wants, right? 
Mm-hmm. Somebody please do that to Star Fox. But um, and they did that. <laughs> They did that with Streets of Rage. They just said, we're going to make a really good beat-em-up that feels modern and retro at the same time. And they absolutely nailed it. The game's astonishing. Got Yuzo Koshiro back to do a bunch of the soundtrack with a bunch of other artists, too. They found exactly what made that game tick. And instead of doing a remake like they did with uh, Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap, they just made a whole new chapter in this game that I think is better than any of the ones that came before it, which is a bold statement. I'm not the Sega guy, so like I don't have the same reverence for Streets of Rage that a lot of people do, but I do have some because even as a Nintendo kid, I recognized almost immediately this is a quality game. Like, yeah, I'm Final Fight. Yeah, Final Fight's better. It's got Mayor Mike Hager. He's got a mustache. I don't see any mustaches over here. But even at that point, I could totally recognize Streets of Rage as a quality beat em up. And at that, that level of nostalgia came along. So even somebody that doesn't have the insane nostalgia for Streets of Rage, that Streets of Rage 4 impressed the crap out of me that much, game's just top tier. That's outstanding stuff. Yeah, well, and I would say, too, just, like, adding on to that of, you know, like you're saying, Chris, they didn't didn't reinvent the wheel, but they added spokes to the wheel. And that's, like, that's so much harder to do you know like you can take an old game and look we just made it better and prettier and it's got you know these graphics and and everything looks better and it sounds better and all that stuff and being able to take that formula because i mean beat-em-ups are are one of those genres that that everybody loves right like i I don't know anybody that it's i don't know that it's anybody's favorite genre of video game but if you sit somebody down and you hand them a controller and you play a beat-em-up, you're going to have fun. Even the really bad ones, you're going to have a certain amount of fun. So being able to take that and just make a really, really good version of a beat-em-up that, you're right, does animate just absolutely stunningly. I mean, it is, it is in my mind what cartoons used to look like when I was a kid. Growing up in yeah. the 80s, you know what I mean? Like, watching 80s cartoons, you go back and watch them now. Like, I was a huge He-Man kid. And that that was just, uh, my entire world was He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Out here in my office right now in the Jose Canseco Executive Annex, I've got an entire shelf dedicated to, to He-Man stuff. I can't wait to see what Kevin Smith does with it and the new toys and all. I'm, I'm in. I'm 100% in. I'm invested. I care very deeply. But, like, going back and watching that show now, it's hard because the animation is garbage. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just the worst reused, recycled, like, they, they run in their arms, stay the same. Like it just, but in my mind, <laughs> it was this g- gorgeous fantasy world, right? Yeah. And playing through Streets of Rage, it looks like what cartoons used to look like in my mind when I was a kid. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. The other thing that really kind of just put Streets of Rage over the top for me last year was that it coming out during the pandemic when we're all sitting at home and we're all just bored as hell looking for something to do. Here was this new beat-em-up that Chris and I got. We got it on the same day, you know, called each other up on the phone like like a bunch of teenage girls and just played through the game start to finish like... A day one and had an absolute blast 
playing through that game, the the co-op in there, it just playing Streets of Rage online was just a gorgeous way to spend an evening. And it's not a game, honestly, that I've gone back to a ton after we played through it originally. Like, I played a couple different online matches, um, and that was fun, like, mixing with random people and unlocking different characters and whatnot, but that that initial run-through is just such a good way to spend a couple of hours. Yeah, Hard I agree. agree. You know, Dan, you were saying that with when it comes to, like... Uh, cartoons that's what you pictured what what you pictured the cartoons to look like and they actually did it you know so many guys talk about that when they're modding consoles and you know we want to we want to make it look like what we pictured as a kid and get those colors vibrant and looking good and and i i'm all with you on that like streets of rage when they remade that or not remade that but uh made a new one it uh it just looked so good it's exactly what you pictured video games as a kid like the colors and the and now you go back to some of those games you're like wow that was garbage that's hot trash <laughs> you know and but in your mind i think the imagination plays into it as well uh with those old 8-bit games and and so to have a game that is exactly what you remember is is pretty special. Yeah, like I I remember being a, a little kid and and having my dad come into you know I would go up and stay with my dad on weekends every now and again, and uh, I would always bring my Nintendo with me, and uh, you know calling him into the room, and I knew that he loved like airplanes and helicopters and that sort of stuff. So, like, I had him come... I think it was, like, Choplifter, I think, was, like, the big game. It was like, Dad, you gotta come in here and see this. It looks so real. And, like, you know, <laughs> here comes my dad trotting into the bedroom being like, Yeah, no, that looks uh, that looks super real, you know? <laughs> like, But in my mind, it was just this incredibly vivid, realistic, lifelike thing. And now going... Having... Now that we're at the point with technology in video games to where we can have those those experiences play out the way that they used to when we were kids i think for us like who are a little bit older it's certainly a different um i I don't know that it's better or worse necessarily but it's a different interaction with video games versus like our kids who are just like they didn't grow up with you know a a 240p signal coming out of their television (laughs) like how did you guys like how did we watch that? It was it's awful. You go back and watch stuff just even from the nineties or the like late nineties, it's like, oh my god. This is wretched. Just awful. But yeah, uh, Streets of Rage 4 is incredible. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of amazing to see what they did with the art style in that. I mean to me that's just because that cell shading, right, can be pretty divisive. Um but yeah, they just nailed it. I mean, I found myself playing that and getting my ass kicked because I didn't want to focus on the gameplay. I was too busy like <laughs> watching all the effects and the animation and the detail in the background. Um, and yeah, it's just incredible. And I, you know, like Chris, I was not a huge Sega or Streets of Rage guy, but this game really pulled me in. And just that convenience piece too of now being able to play because beat 'em ups are inherently so much better 
co-op and just being able to now do that through the internet and have it work well um, is great. I mean, th- there's so many ways that Streets of Rage 4 could have been done horribly by pretty much anyone else, including Sega um, oh, these days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that it was just so amazing to see it done um, and crafted so lovingly, really. Yeah, and they added the right pieces, you know, to make it modern enough, but not kind of when in the PS2 era where they were like, okay, we need to take beat-em-ups to the next step, and they just messed them all up because they mm-hmm. were trying to add too much to it and it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this is just, like, the perfect amount of additions and obviously the art style and the music. They kept enough of the good music, I think, to uh, definitely be up there with the other Streets of Rage, for sure. They also did the thing that's super important with beat-em-ups is that they made the impacts feel good. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You play a, a crappy beat-em-up and you're just walking around and it feels like you swing the sword and then or, or, or throw a punch or something. And it just the things happen. But there was a, nailing that absolute impact, you know, in a, in a beat-em-up is really important. Getting that sound right and, and the way that everything animates when it gets hit is mm-hmm. so super important to making that situation it's, it's it's like the difference between playing obviously turtles the arcade game is a phenomenal arcade game right but it was like the first real konami arcade beat-em-up so you go back to it now and it's like that impact is is very well executed but then you look at what they did with turtles in time and then you you, you hear that impact of all the hits and you, you feel the way that the foot soldiers like get knocked back and stuff and it just takes it to that next level and and when you get it right like they did in streets of rage 4 or another one that came out got buried at the time it's from uh the guy who did uh gunman clive super punch patrol uh he also nailed the way it feels to to beat up guys uh and it's such an important piece of that puzzle that they absolutely nailed there's i, I just can't say enough good things about it it's such a, a thoughtful beat-em-up which is such a strange sentence oh. to say <laughs> but it's a really really well done game yeah, 100%. Yeah, and just the subtlety, too, and, like, the simplicity of the combat, but there's a depth to it, and there's a timing piece. I mean, it's not just a shut-your-brain-off-and-punch-away sort of beat-em-up game. I mean, it certainly could be, I guess, if that's your play style, but you're probably going to struggle. I mean, it's—I like it. I like that there's a little bit more meat to the combat. Yeah, it's, it's easy great. easy to play, difficult to master. Like, my kids can pick up Streets of Rage 4. They haven't yet. They've played a little bit of Streets of Rage 2 on my nephew's Genesis Mini, and I can't wait to introduce my son John to Streets of Rage 4 because it's going to blow his mind. We're, we're playing Castle Crashers as a quote-unquote as a family now, and that's another really good beat-em-up. That's, mm-hmm. It's too hard for them, so usually it's like me and my wife and my kids are playing, and then my three-year-old daughter loves to be the pink one. She dies in like five seconds. Like, <laughs> come revive me! Like, okay, and then John's over in the corner, like, blasting his magic over and over again. Like, why isn't this working? And then and, you know, my wife goes to try and save both of them and she dies in the process. And then I'm like, all right, I'll take care of this and then I'll revive everybody. And then we move a few screens over and it happens over and over again. But uh, uh, once um, uh, once the uh, uh, totally lost my train of thought, I got distracted by things. Uh, uh, Dan losing his Internet. <laughs> apparently. Um, yeah. Uh-oh. Once once John is old, uh, once John gets around to playing Streets of Rage 4 with me, I think he's going to have a real blast with it. Cause it's so pretty. Yeah, it's a good. Uh oh, we lost Dan entirely. That's okay. He'll he'll be back. Okay. Wonder if I have to invite him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, let's move on. I mean, we can continue the conversation. Dan can can weigh in on on our next one um, when he gets back. So the next game, let's let's talk a little bit about Blaster Master Zero. Obviously, Chris, you're a huge fan of that entire <laughs> series. I know on a recent episode, Dan mentioned he had picked uh, one and two up. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious on on your thoughts. Okay, uh, I, I apologize. Just like with Streets of Rage Four, I'm probably going to word barf for a little bit. So. Uh... <laughs> Yes, I'd love to talk, uh, and especially when you bring up Blaster Master. So Blaster Master was one of those games that um, we talked about it in the first part. It was a game that I'd found through a rental store, and uh, I just thought the name was super cool and the weird big monster on the front of the box. And you know, back then you'd pick up games that were like they just looked cool, right? That's why I rented Magmax, which is such a weird game, but it's got such an awesome box. It's this robot dude fighting a three-headed robot dragon with a laser sword. It's, that's awesome. So we, we get Blaster Master, and, and I take that thing home, and you just start with this amazing music. Naoki Kodaka did so much good work for Sunsoft. Amazing soundtrack, right? So you, you hear this great music starting off right after seeing this weird story where this kid's frog jumps into the backyard <laughs> where there's a giant radioactive box, because why not? And then jumps into a, the, the ground. You jump into the hole after him because it's your pet frog. Why not jump into this hole with a radioactive <laughs> box? There's a tank. All right. I'm going to put on this space suit and, suit and drive around a tank and save my pet frog. And, like, as a kid, I wouldn't even bat an eye at that stuff, right? It was yep. so weird, and it didn't matter because it was just, just awesome. So that game impressed me on so many levels the 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 thing that really killed me about it though is that you start the game and the first thing you see when you start the game is you know the the your tank sophia just lands and like the animation of the wheels but there's this one little shelf a little platform in the upper left hand corner of the screen that's completely out of reach and is nothing but decorative to the first to, to first view like but that thing stuck in my head and i was like i'm gonna get up there <laughs> i want to know what's up up on top of that platform so I'm playing this game. The music's amazing. I get to the... You can jump out of the tank, which is such a neat mechanic that's so different, right? You're used to being like, you're playing a Mario game. You're Mario, not you're a tank. And then you can jump out and there's a whole separate game mechanic. Then you go into a door and it turns into a top-down thing. Like, it's like two games in one. It's it's incredible. And the art direction is stunning on it. It, it, it does these wonderful tricks that makes everything look more detailed than it actually is. So this game's impressing the pants off of me the entire time. And then I finally beat Area 3, and the power-up you get is Hover. So the first thing I did was like, I don't care where I'm supposed to go next. I'm going to find out going what's up back. on top of that. I'm going all the way back to the first screen of the game. And I did, and I expected to see nothing. I expected to just go back there, and it was nothing. But I got up there, and it was more Hover power-up and a robot. I'm like, okay, and there's another shelf. So you go up there, you go to the other shelf, to the other shelf... Brings you to a whole secret door, going down to the bottom. That's how you get to Area 4. And I put, I remember specifically finding that door, and it says Area 4. Put the controller down and said, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I thought I was crazy. Oh, my God. And it was it, that really tied it together. See, at that point, I had not played Metroid. So I wasn't super familiar with the concept of an interconnected world like that. Like a Metroidvania, as we know them now. Uh so that that game had such an incredible impact on me that I, I, I just worked so hard at mastering it because it was incredibly hard. The giant boss, that damn crab boss at the end of level five, uh, the whole game completely floored me. 
And then I wanted a follow up, right? Because you start seeing that stuff happen over 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 the generations. Like, well, you get Mega Man X, you get Super Mario World, and and as these eight bit games move on to sixteen bit sequels or even Game Boy sequels, like you know, you had Super Mario Brothers, and then you get Super Mario Land or Link's Awakening. So. I didn't know at the time because who the hell knew that Blaster Master Boy was a thing? And it turns out, retrospect, that wasn't actually even a sequel. It was like a reskin of a Bomberman shoot off called Robo Warrior. But yeah. long story short, that was kind of this weird little side note. But then I eventually found Blaster Master 2 on Sega Genesis in a Toys R Us when I was out there with my friend Joe. And I was like, oh my God, this is a thing? And then eventually convinced one of my friends who had a Genesis to buy it. Because I just had to play it. It's Blaster Master 2. It's going to be amazing. I'm so bummed it's not on Super Nintendo, but whatever. I got to try it. And I did, and it was all right. Yeah. It, was just, it, it was missing that thing that made Blaster Master special. Like, okay, well, that's kind of a bummer. And then we didn't hear anything from Blaster Master for a long time. And then all of a sudden, there's a Game Boy Color sequel that's kind of like a, re, like a reimagining of the NES game all the same assets the music is like the same tunes but really crappy uh this camera's all panned in and it just it's not fun it didn't feel good to play so that was a shame then you have blaster master blasting again on playstation like oh my god they made a 3d playstation blaster master game it's in a discount bin that's concerning (laughs) and then you play the game it's like well it's got a few things that are all right but man they just cannot they keep trying and good for you but they can't make a good blaster master game that even comes close to the original and it and it bummed me out then out of nowhere a few years later we wear blaster master overdrive an exclusive blaster master game for we wear okay and i jumped into that and it's like it's all right. It's it's tolerable. It's got some neat ideas, but it's it's again, it's nowhere near having that personality that the original game had. So as Blaster Master continues to be in my top 10 games of all time, every single sequel, while have never been flat out bad, have always disappointed. Then I find out that Inti Creates, this fantastic company that has a real respect for 2D gaming, is making a brand new Blaster Master reboot for the 3DS. I'm like, I saw the trailer for it and, and heard the new take on the music and I looked at the way it moved and it like, it looked a little anime nonsense, but I didn't care because it looked like they got it right. And then they announced that it was coming on on the Switch and so I bought that too and I could not have possibly been happier with it because what it did was it it, it did what we were talking about with Streets of Rage. It, it boiled it down to what makes this work? We're not going to try to reinvent the wheel. What makes this work? And then they tried to make a new story involving the stupid frog and everything, but in a way that made <laughs> sense, quote unquote, sense in an anime nonsense sci-fi story. And it works and it was fun and it was creative and it, it did new things. The original game didn't do. It took advantage of the modern technology to an extent, but it was still very much rooted in its retro sensibilities. And as a, It's not the kind of thing that I can easily recommend to everybody because it's like you can't look at that game and say, no, this is the best game ever made. You have to have it. But if you have any love for the original Blaster Master, you have to try this because as far as 2D platformers, action platformers go, this is ridiculously well done and made with love. And that's one of the most important things when you're playing a game is you can tell when something's made with love and you can tell when something was made like this has to be made. 
And this was a game that was like, no, we want to make a proper Blaster Master game. We want to make this a freaking franchise again. And they did. They nailed it. And then they nailed a sequel. They made a sequel to Blaster Master that was worthy of the name Blaster Master. Mm-hmm. Blaster Master Zero, just, it speaks so much to my heart. And it was also this really great kind of preamble for what the Switch would eventually become for me. Because I'm playing Breath of the Wild and I'm playing Blaster Master Zero, and those two games, in many respects, could not be more different. But it was, this is what this new platform is going to be. You're going to get something like Breath of the Wild that's a new, giant, big, AAA monstrosity, and you're also going to get these small indie titles that play to the strengths of what the games of yore used to be. Kind of like you started to sniff out when like Nintendo started to get its shit together with the Wii, where they'd be like, you know what? Everyone just wants to have their Nintendo again, so we're going to make stuff like Mario Galaxy and Excite Bike World Rally. And it's and it's so few people played all that kind of stuff, but it was like this little tiny flavor of it there. And the Switch nailed that, at least for my personal sensibilities. So, no, Blaster Master Zero isn't this ungodly masterpiece like like Streets of Rage Four, which is like everybody can look at that and appreciate that. But for a Blaster Master fan, Blaster Master Zero is nuts, and I double dipped on it on the damn switch i bought it digitally and then when limited runs like we're making physical ones like sign me up i'll take them both so yeah blaster master zero gets big fat hairy thumbs up from me i mean i certainly do not have the uh the reverence for blaster master that you do chris um but i did just recently pick up blaster master one and two on the uh on the ps4 um, mostly because I wanted to, you know, get into them because I, very similar to you, you know, loved Blaster Master as, as a kid. I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is the weirdest game I've ever played. There's this, this fucking crazy frog. I don't know what, I don't know what that shit's about. And then I'm like, I'm in a tank and that's kind of cool, but then I can get out of the tank and that's super weird. Cause I'm like this little dude, <laughs> but then I'm in. Then I'm in this uh, this top down thing, and I'm I'm huge on the screen. Like I don't understand what's going on, but at some point, if I kill enough things and get enough power ups, I get this really cool wavy beam, and uh, <laughs> I'm super into that because it kills everything. So yeah, I really like this game. And then, kind of never played it after that. Like that was one of the games that my my cousin had, my older cousin. So that kind of added a little uh, a little you know, spice to the game as well. It was like, oh, my my older, cooler cousin likes Blaster <laughs> Master, so I'm going to definitely like this game as well. But then after that, like, it kind of, you know, fell to the wayside. It was, you know, I, I saw some of the sequels and was like, no, oh, that looks like shit. I'm not into it. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to play that. And I wasn't, I wasn't a Genesis kid growing up. And then on the PlayStation, it was like, well, I, I mean, it's not Final Fantasy or Resident Evil, so obviously it's not even good. Like, why would I even look at this? <laughs> so now the scene had come back. I was like, oh, that Blaster Master Zero looks really cool. I wish I could play it on my PS4. Because, um, like, the Switch is more of my kids' thing. Um, and I have a few games on it and whatever. But yeah, I was like, eh, I, I get If they ever put it on PS4, I'll get to it eventually. And then it came out last year, and I totally missed it. Uh, but it was on sale over the uh, the big PlayStation holiday sale that they just did. So I got uh, I got Blaster Master Zero and Zero Two for like five bucks a piece, and I also got Kurt's uh, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 
I almost nice. said curd stain, but I didn't. <laughs> it's the same thing. Because I'm a professional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> curd stain now is a game I really want to play, though. Mm-hmm. It's um, available in Wisconsin. <laughs> I was going to say it's Wisconsin. Wisconsin or Wyoming? The only thing I know about Wyoming is that I went to a girl, or I went to a girl, I went to college with a girl who was a stripper, um, and she was she was legitimately stripping her way through college, and she was from Wyoming, so that was her stage name. So in college, we used to, like, go support her. Uh, that's, that's, that's my experience with that's Wyoming. That's what we call it. We went to support her. She's got bills to pay, come on. She, no, I mean, whatever. Like, I am certainly not shaming sex work by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, what were we talking about, Blastmaster? So, anyway, um, so I I got those games and I and I was like, all right, I'm gonna play through Blaster Master Zero, then Bloodstained Curse of the Moon, then I'll go to Blaster Master Zero Two because my PlayStation is about to explode if I continue to try to play like Final Fantasy and Ghost of Tsushima on it. So I started playing through it and I was like, man, I like, I think this is really good. Like, I, I'm enjoying it, but I think it's actually really good. Like, not just in a nostalgia kind of way. Like, this is just a really good game. And I played through it in about, I don't know, two or three days just going through and just enjoyed the shit out of it. It, it really was able to take those elements that were in the original Blaster Master of that top-down, you know, kind of dungeon crawler aspect and the Metroidvania aspect of it, and really marry them together into a really, really good package. And and like Chris was saying, the uh, the story does get uh, a little anime nonsense, but I'm really not playing that game for the story. Uh, you know, like it's it's more for this tank is really cool to make my way around in this world, and I I thought the level design was really cool. I appreciated the like some of the newer stuff they added and the the newer ways to kind of traverse around the environments i it felt really good to play like sophia always had that really uh floaty kind of mechanic like that just a really crazy jump for a tank which is you know like was a silly thing when i was a kid and it's still a silly thing now but it's just so much fun to play as. It had the right and, weight to it, you know? There was there was a definite weight. There was a difference between... Yeah. It's like comparing Mario to Donkey Kong and Tropical Freeze or something. There's a specific weight to it that when you drive around in that car and you, you turn around, there's like a, a little bit of a skid. It felt like driving around in this crazy agile tank, but it still felt like a vehicle. Yeah, it really did. And they just... They really, really nailed it. And like, Inti creates... It does really good work. You know, like, I, I don't know that they've made a bad game, like, anything that they've been involved in. Um, but this, I was like, it, it's one of those games where I, I got done with it, and I was like, man, I, there's still there's still more to explore here. Like, I, I finished the game, and I, you know, finished the story and whatever. And like, whatever that, that nonsense was that happened of, like, your super secret space invader frog, and I'm going to go out like, okay, Eve, whatever you're doing, that's cool. I'll get to you in the sequel. Um, but, like, I was legitimately excited to get to more of it. Like, not only to go back into this game and kind of miss, go back into some areas of the map that I might have missed, um, but also to see, like, where the rest of the story goes. And I think the the length of it really plays to its strengths as well, because, 
That was like what, five six hours, you know? Yeah, maybe seven if long, you're man. if you're really trying to a hundred percent see everything on the map and do every little bit of everything. You know, you're looking at like or on awful, the outside, right? Or or, or <laughs> awful? Is that what you said? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you suck at the game, like if you're a terrible person, then yeah. Um, All right, sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, like it's you know like about that seven hour kind of experience, which is as it as an adult male with a, a family and responsibilities, that's really about the the sweet spot for me at this point. So I I thought it was great, absolutely loved it. Cannot wait to get into the second one. Yeah, and what yeah. a surprise it was too, because like it was just like I didn't know Sunsoft even existed anymore, and it's ten dollars, <laughs> and it's good, you know, like that combination. Those combinations is just it's incredible to have that on a modern console like that. Hundred percent agree, and that whole Sunsoft angle—that is a really good point. Like, do they still exist? I, <laughs> I'm so confused by this company. There are names out there somewhere. Like, Blaster Master's on Nintendo Switch Online. So clearly somebody got paid to put it there. Where are they? I just, I need I need them to exist so that that Batman game can come out again <laughs> at some point. Yes, I agree. How is, like, seriously, like, I mean, Warner Brothers has got to want to make money at some point off the Batman license. They, they do it all the time. <laughs> so Sunsoft is not going to be hard to pay to be like, yo... Let's put this Batman game back out again. Just put it on all the platforms. That can't be an expensive proposition. There's no way they're not going to make money off that. Sunsoft's looking for work. They need money. Right? You probably get because <laughs> we've never heard of them the anymore. <laughs> Got to oh, get that uh, Arrow the Acrobat reboot going. <laughs> Yo, don't don't even fucking play. I would play the hell out of an Arrow the Acrobat reboot if it was Indie Creates that did it. Oh, you kidding me? That would be amazing. Arrow Acrobat's not bad. That's not a bad game. I didn't play the second one or Zero of the Kamikaze Squirrel, but that was the first Arrow the Acrobat's not a bad game. Yeah, the marketing hype behind that one was insane, too. Commercials, ads <laughs> Nintendo Power. I mean, that was ridiculous. They really, really wanted it to be the next Sonic the Hedgehog, and it just wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> it just needs, like, an anime angle. That's all it needs. Exactly, yeah. It needs a nice, fresh... An Look, if Ty the Tasmanian Tiger can get remade in HD... <laughs> <laughs> and Voodoo Vince. I mean, what are we doing here? Right. There has got Where to be a market... Where is Voodoo Vince? I need, I need more Voodoo Vince in my life. I can't believe Ty the Tasmanian Tiger is a thing still. It's just... Uh... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with you guys, though. I think... Um, being an NES guy, I think there was something inherently memorable as a kid growing up being, you know, like you said, that intro gets you. And then as a kid, back then we were all, hell, I'm still obsessed with monster trucks. So you basically sure. have this monster truck tank that can jump. I can get out of Like, there's so many things about that game that just blow your mind from a gameplay perspective, especially if you graduated from, you know, the 2600 where everything's one screen. It's like, not only is this not one screen and it's a big adventure, but I can do like four different legit types of gameplay. It felt like it anyway. I mean, there's just the two, but, um, you know, it's one of those franchises that I didn't, I didn't realize the history behind like the sequels and all of that. I mean, I knew there's a PlayStation one. I had no idea there was a two on the Genesis. 
until recently. And then when Blaster Master Zero dropped and, you know, it was affordable. It looked great. It's, it plays and brings back the nostalgia just like you want. And they've updated it just enough with quality of life improvements and, and new content that it's, it's fresh. It's easy to get through. It, it was just awesome to see it come back and again, see it come back and done well, you know, just like we saw with streets of rage four, but yeah, it's, it's a franchise that I never expected to resurface. And when it did in the way that it did, it's great. I, I still have to get to the second one, but I love the Yeah, first I mean, one. the the only complaint I had with that game were those little uh, fucking slug things that would come out. Like, I died to them more than anything. I'd be like, why are you hitting so hard? This sucks. I'm in a tank. You're a slug. This is stupid. Magri. <laughs> Well, I've said to Dan a bunch of times that Blaster Master, Blaster Master Zero Two is the Blaster Master sequel I've always wanted because where every like the actual Blaster Master Two took weird steps and weird directions, Zero Two is an actual extension of what made Blaster Master work in the first place, and it really feels like a it's not a retread. It does some very intrinsic changes to the gameplay, but the the big change is this um, energy storing thing that you do that's built around the jumping mechanic. Whenever your tank falls farther than it jumped, it, the impact that it lands with collects kinetic energy. Hmm. And so when you're, you try to make big jumps to fill up this meter so that you can use these weapons and fight the more powerful enemies and get health restored and stuff, it's a really clever mechanic, and it's wow. so good. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I, I need to check that one out for sure. I, I, I almost pulled the trigger on those physical limited run prints too and they're so cool they came with cards <laughs> little trading <laughs> cards i love them uh, i just have a hard time getting anything from limited run because it's like i buy it i'm excited and then a year and a half later after i've already forgotten about it then it shows up so it's kind of <laughs> it's exciting when it shows up but there's this big lapse of disappointment in between yeah, like this one, I was I had no problem being... I've only ordered three things from Limited Run. These two games, which I didn't mind... I was totally patient on because I've already played them. It's like, that's done. Sure. I have these games. That's good. This is just for me to have physical things so I can have every Blaster Master game physically except Overdrive because it doesn't exist. Then I bought the Panzer Dragoon remake, and that one I didn't buy digitally. I was like, well, I'm just going to buy the physical one, and that was grueling waiting for that to finally show up and then it did and i was like well that was great but it's pants of dragoon it's like 15 minutes long so <laughs> it was a great 15 minutes but it's over now and i'm not going to go back and play it a zillion times but it was it was cool to wait but man it was that was a <sighs> see i'm, I'm kind of worried about that with the uh with the upcoming scott pilgrim versus oh, the God, world me too tomorrow be because i want to buy it digitally and play it Again, you know, like I can go, I can go boot boot up my PS3 and play it if I really wanted to, but like, do I do I buy it digitally and physically? Because I don't want it to go away again. You know, like I don't know. It's but then again, if because I don't want to double dip on it, right, or triple dip at that point. So do I just buy it physically and wait six months to a year for them to ship it out? Will I still care? I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, that seems like the kind of game that I absolutely want to have physical on principle, you know? It's kind of like the... I, I'm still kind of pissed at myself for not actually doing it yet, but it's like having Final Fantasy VII for Switch on a physical cartridge. There's just the principle of that. Like, 
there was an ad saying this was never going to happen. And, and here it is. It's like getting night trap on the switch. Like <laughs> right. I don't want that in my home. I have enough copies of night trap and I don't like that game at all. So, but there's also that wonderful, delicious irony of having it. So like with Scott program, that was the whole thing. That game disappeared. You couldn't buy it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And you so, dicks already took that once. Exactly. And I don't want that to happen again. So buying it physical seems like the best thing to do, but I also really want to play it because I didn't buy it the first time around because I'm a sucker. I played the demo and like, this is great. I should buy it. Never did. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm uh, in the exact same boat. I feel like this is my time to redeem myself. So I'll be, I'll be doing another limited run purchase and wait tomorrow. Is there a regular version of that too? Cause like I'm, I don't want to yeah. want to spend I the $350,000 on See, that's that's the other part that's killing me. Like, I don't want to spend thirty five bucks on this game because I know it's it's not a thirty five dollar game. Yeah, it's yeah. a really good game, but like the extra money on having it, and uh, that's that's a it's a tough call. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'll just emulate it later. <laughs> <laughs> that's the solution to all. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to our last one. Um, we'll talk about Bubsy. We're going to be talking about the original Bubsy here. He's a uh, Bobcat platforming game um, that was set to take over the world. Came to <laughs> Genesis, Super Nintendo. We all played it. I probably don't need to go into depth about what Bubsy was about. Um, but I, I always find it interesting when I first discovered uh, the Strange Gamer podcast and now having watched some of the content from the other creators over at Geek Kid, there's a strange and perhaps sick fascination with with the bubsy game so i'd kind of like to hear what you guys like what you guys think about bubsy that strange and sick fascination kind of comes from me and daring dean to play through the games so we had uh before we 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 do this annual thing called the pain of the assathon it's a, a charity thing and it's a it's it's a joke because it's for colon cancer pain in the ass haha ha. Uh, <laughs> we're so clever we it's really amazing. are <laughs> um, <laughs> and the whole idea is to play games for 24 hours that are a pain in the ass now before the pain in the assathon started we had kind of a dry run a year or two before where dean uh co-founder of uh, geekade was you know, we wanted to raise money for a local kid and so I went over to his house and I brought like all this weird shit with me. And, um, at a certain point he, he started playing Bubsy for some reason. Cause it was one of the games that I brought and was like, I mean, this game is really hard to beat. That would be really fun to watch you play it. I mean, Bubsy has this legendarily bad, uh, reputation, but the original Bubsy and what a horrible name, Bubsy in Claws Encounters of the Third Kind on Super Nintendo is not a bad game. It's not a good game, but it's not. <laughs> It's not this awful dreck that the sequels were because it's every game <laughs> it, it yeah. is a functioning platformer with some pretty good music and nice visuals. Um, it's got a lot of bad, <laughs> it's got a lot of faults, but there's a certain degree of decency to it, right? So Dean started playing it, and he like wouldn't stop playing it. He he kept getting dying over and over again. So I'm watching this stream of him. I kept checking in. I'm like. A few hours later, oh my god, he's still playing Bubsy. Like he's still trying to get through this awful game, and uh, it just became this obsession with him. Of like, 
all right, well, now we're doing the pain in the assathon. What's the biggest pain in the ass? I'm going to make Dean play Bubsy. And so he finally finished that one on the stream. He was like, cool, now you're playing Bubsy too. <laughs> And, oh my gosh. and so the next year we played Bubsy too and then when that was done he's like I'm done with Bubsy I was like the heck you are and this year you're playing Bubsy on Jaguar <laughs> there's <laughs> 17 oh more gosh. of these so I mean and they all kept getting they were all every, each progressive Bubsy was worse than the previous one which is astounding oh. because like that Jaguar game is just utter trash and Bubsy 2 is utter <sighs> trash and Bubsy 3D is just blah the dregs of the bottom of the PlayStation barrel. And you can almost see like where they were going with Bubsy 3d at least like it's a fascinating experiment, but it's not a good game or fun to play in the least. Uh, and then they did those new modern ones, like the woolly strike back, which was like, okay. I mean, it was like, it was like mo- 90 minutes long. It was yeah, horrible. It's, yeah. It's super short and it's the most average platformer I've ever played in my life. It was just, this is platformer the game <laughs> like you just yeah. textbook platformer game and shove it, it with just, some... just the complete opposite of what inti creates and lizard cube did with blaster master and streets of rage like there was zero love or care put into that it was just we are a studio with a project and we are making a game yeah, this was, it. It was just trying to come back, and it was such a bad idea. But they kept they they followed it up with the uh, surprisingly decent but weird. Uh, what the hell was the last one called? Bubsy pause of pause on fire, and that was from Choice Provisions, who made the amazing Bit Trip games. And I was really excited for that, uh, except that they basically just made a Bit Trip game with a Bubsy skin on it, like. Now, they didn't just take Runner 3 and make it a Bubsy game. They made this a brand new type of thing with new mechanics and everything. But it's an auto runner, which is not a Bubsy game. So instead of taking what worked on the original game and poking fun at itself, because all that personality, they nailed that. They went back to all of the weird Bubsy mythology. They they put in references to the the cartoon um pilot episode like they put thought into making this the best game that they could make it with this property except they didn't pay attention to what made the original game decent in the first place so while it's a decent runner game it's not as good as their own original runner creations which are just next level amazing and it's not a bubsy game so it kind of missed the mark which was a huge disappointment because i adore choice provisions um, also, the the tagline "Pause on fire." Every time I hear it, makes me think of the just most incredible movie montage of all time, which is from Rocky Four when uh, he does "Hearts on Fire" and he's out in Russia training. Like, I, there, there's no better movie montage ever, <laughs> and it, it's so disappointing every time I hear "Pause on fire" because it doesn't even come close. <laughs> yeah. So, so Bubsy followed a, a similar trajectory to Blaster Master, except that the original game was not that good to begin with. But as far as like it being a thing, as a Nintendo kid, right? Because it came out on Super Nintendo first, if if is, is how I remember it. Yep. I remember being somewhat jealous of my Genesis owning friends when Sonic came out mm-hmm. because Sonic was this cool looking character with an attitude and it was this that gameplay style where it's all about running fast but also 
that's the, the big misconception about Sonic games, that they're all about running fast. They're about controlling your speed, because Sonic is a pretty meticulous platformer when you do it right. So you're, it's all about when do I go fast and when do I not go fast? And Bubsy ripped that off wholesale. So it's like, here's this giant area, this giant level with multiple branching paths, just like Sonic the Hedgehog with Green Hill or whatever. You can go one way, you can go another way. There's all these different ways to make it to the end. And the game Bubsy controls with the same kind of inertia as Sonic does, where he ramps up speed and he can't just walk up a hill for some damn reason. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't really, they didn't nail it, but you could see the the bones of something like, we're making our own take on this Sonic formula and a sequel could have been really good, but instead of making it better, it just got worse because there was all kinds of nasty stuff happening in the background with the development of those games and everything. But the original Bubsy will always hold a place in my heart because when I first played, I was like, ah, take that Sega. We got Bubsy on Super Nintendo. <laughs> and it looks and sounds awesome. And he's got a cartoon and it's going to be amazing. And I was every flavor of wrong, but that's yeah. kind of where it holds a spot. I love that comparison because my, the first friend I ever had who got a Super Nintendo for Christmas got a bunch of games with it from his grandparents and one of them was Bubsy and he calls me Christmas Day he's like hey you gotta come over I got a Super Nintendo and he's listing off all the games he's got and he's like yeah and then I got this Bubsy he's super excited but I'm like what the fuck's a Bubsy he's like it's like uh, it's like Sonic the Hedgehog but it's a Bobcat I'm like I'm in and immediately like headed over there sold on this concept of Sonic for the Super Nintendo you know it's crazy I See, always think I- it's funny that they keep on I mean there are some really good games that they never make a sequel to, and you're just hoping and hoping that they make another one. Bubsy is that one that just won't go away. <laughs> you know, it, it's a, it's not a great game, and they just are like let's try again one more time, let, <laughs> l- one more time after that. Let's keep it going. Let's let's try. And it's like I really want some good games, and you just the crappy ones are the ones that get like six, seven remakes. There they are keep, more Bubsy games the, uh, than Kid Icarus the games. gambler's fallacy, man, of like, <laughs> it's the next one. The next one's going to be <laughs> right, good. Yeah. The next yeah. one. It's the next role. Yeah. The next Call whatever. if you have a problem, yeah. We're going to make this catch on no matter See, what. See, like, I, I, have a very, uh, I have a very strained relationship with Bubsy. And it's not even, it's not even Mr. Bubsy's fault, really. It's uh, <laughs> the fucking Walmart's fault. Um, <laughs> I, when, I was, when I was a kid going to buy games, you know, like saving up birthday money or whatever. Like I too got suckered in by the extreme nineties tude of, uh, of Bubsy. And I was like, this game is going to be fucking dope. There's no way a Bobcat with an exclamation point on his shirt is in a (laughs) shit game. Just no way that that happens. (laughs) So I went to, I went to Walmart to buy it, and I was so excited. Like, I spent my own money on it. Like, yes, I'm going to buy Bubsy. 40, 50, 60, whatever, however much games were back then. Saved up for it, and I got it home, and I opened it up, and somebody had fucking stolen the game out of the Super Nintendo package, (laughs) and somebody figured out, some asshole figured out that if you took two decks of regular old playing cards... Not only did they fit perfectly in the little white space in that cardboard box in a Super Nintendo box, but they weighed relatively the same amount. (laughs) So I got 
two decks of playing cards, and I was furious. <laughs> like, I just, mother, we're going back to the goddamn store. This travesty will not stand. I got ripped off. I can't believe they would do this to me. And she was like, well, they didn't do it personally. The, the fuck they did. They did this. <laughs> they took advantage of me. I am so angry. And like, then we, so we went back to the store like a day later. Cause she was like, I don't care. I'm not taking you back to the store right now. Deal with your life choices. Um, we went back to the store like the next day, exchanged it out. I got another copy of Bubsy. I took it home and I was like, yes, I'm finally going to get to play Bubsy. And then the shitty part was, I finally got to play Bubsy. And I was like, man, this just isn't good at all. There, I could have bought so many other things Should have just month, stuck with those playing I, cards. Right? I could have kept the playing cards and had a better time. I just, man, and I couldn't take it back again at that point. Be like, no, it's uh, you sold me now a broken one, obviously, because this game doesn't work. Man, this sucks. I'm stuck with uh, Bubsy now. That's awesome. It's yeah. <laughs> my that might Bubsy be the experience. saddest Bubsy story I've ever. Heard. Isn't it? <laughs> so excited! Two decks of playing cards. I was so mad. Like as an adult, I'm super impressed. Like somebody sat there and went, "Ah, oh, this kind of feels exactly like two playing cards. I wonder if they fit." By Joe, they do. I know what I'll do re-shrink wrap this and take it back to the Walmart. Unreal. <laughs> uh, well, I yeah. think my... You know, when I rented this game, like, I was a Sega kid, so I got it on Sega. And that cartridge on Sega was, like, those weird accolade ones with, like, the fins on it. And, it, mm -hmm. like, I got that, and I'm like, something's not right here. Like, I shouldn't even be putting this in my system. It's gonna, like, break <laughs> it or something. Like, this is just a cheap knockoff or something. Came in the board game-style box, too. Like, the right. cardboard thing you lift mm -hmm. off. Yeah, right, exactly. I was expecting to say IBM down in the corner or something. <laughs> 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 it, it, uh, you know, it, as a Sega kid, you played Sonic first, and then, it, of course, you play this, and it's like, oh, this is a knockoff, for sure. And it's, even then, it was, it's simple. It's just like, well, this is okay. All they need to do is get hit, you know, get rid of the one-hit kill. And it's a pretty serviceable game, then, you know, uh, to, to follow along with Sonic. But every game after that, they didn't take that lesson. And in some mm -hmm. ways, they even took the good parts out of it. So, <laughs> in yeah. in all ways, <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah, and you. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was just going to say it. It is a hundred percent an example of someone not learning from their mistakes. Absolutely. Exactly. I uh, I kind of have a weird like love of this game too. Strangely enough, and um. You know, some as I mentioned, my friend got it for Christmas. I I genuinely thought it was a decent platformer. Um, as a kid, I borrowed it from him eventually, and I played all the way through it and beat it um, because I I enjoyed it. Um, but then, yeah, you got to the you I, you know you didn't play Bubsy and think it was a great game, but it was a pretty all right platformer. And then immediately you hit that sequel, and if you experience that at all, you just realize like it had gone to shit. And that's kind of luckily where I stopped. I mean, I own. Bubsy on Jaguar. It's a great game. Um, <laughs> oh, but... no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. Uh, they're all terrible. But yeah, I guess I always felt like Bubsy, at least the first one, I never considered a bad game. I didn't even think about it as a bad game until, you know, 
YouTube and the internet told me it was 20 some years later. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I still, I kind of unapologetically. You've made us play it. a lot of Bubsies. As, as a lot I, of Bubsies. I can go back and enjoy the original Bubsy, no question. Yeah. And I also am, am a, the proud owner of every flavor of U.S. released Bubsy, with the exception oh, of the Switch gosh. version of the most recent game, because I refused to pay 40 bucks on it. I did recently track down a boxed copy of, a, well, in the case, copy of Super Bubsy for PC, which is a weird, like, up version of Bubsy with an original take on the soundtrack, only on PC. Huh. Can't I have believe a problem. that exists. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well we've talked about all these games so we've i think it's time we give a verdict um i'm just gonna let chris and dan give a verdict since they're the guests chris you can go first you gotta let us know which one you're gonna buy which one you're gonna rent which you're gonna burn i am going to burn bubsy that's i mean as much as i'll always love my memories of that game if i never played that game for the rest of my life i don't think my life would be any worse for it (laughs) so uh (laughs) i think bubsy's the easy choice in the burn uh for as much as i will always love it uh by gotta go with blaster master because i've replayed blaster master a lot um i haven't in a little while but after it came out they started releasing those dlc characters and I thought they were just going to be skins, but they actually play like those characters. So I'm playing Blaster Master as Shovel Knight, and you get out oh, of the nice. car, oh, wow. and you're Shovel Knight. Like, you have to jump, and you don't have a gun. You have your shovel, and you jump and pound on things with your shovel. It was huh. really thoughtful DLC. So I've played through Blaster Master Zero a couple of times, and I will always enjoy playing through that one. Um, but I would definitely rent Streets of Rage 4, and I'd do it more than once. Because... Uh, I like Dan. I, I adored the crap out of it. I haven't gone back to it for no reason other than I just haven't had the time and there's been other stuff to play. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how, that's how I'm breaking that down. I think it's a, I think I've made the right choice. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm in the same boat. Definitely have to burn Bubsy. Um, <clears throat> just because like, even as much as I can appreciate the first one now, um, you know, and go back to it, and it's not as bad as I remembered, and it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be, uh, and it is super fun to make Dean play through them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, it's still, in, in this pantheon of games, it would have to be the one that, that has to get burned, and Streets of Rage, I, th- I think, would have to be the one that you rent, because you can beat it in one sitting, and and have a full, complete experience. There is more to it if you want there to be, but there doesn't necessarily have to be. It is a a perfectly encapsulated experience that that first time through. And then you know, like I was saying with Blaster Master, I don't. I'm not done with it. You know, even apart from the DLC, which is awesome, I feel like there's more to that game that I didn't see everything that I actively want to go back to. So. Games like that, you know, the that sort of Metroidvania aspect to it, um, that to me is always gonna gonna fall into the buy category of something that you can go back to and always find little nooks and crannies that that you may not have gotten to before, and they just kind of add to that overall experience. And it's just, I mean, it's five bucks. <laughs> I can yeah. buy something for five bucks. 
Awesome. Yeah, I think you guys made the right. I made it a little too easy with Bubsy, right? Bubsy was the burn before we even started talking about these games, but I'm right, surprised right. you didn't. Stand. And if you said Hollow Knight, that would be a, that would have been a conversation. Yeah. I was just going to say Hollow Knight was the, was the hard choice. Should have should have thought of that. I mean, Dang actually, it. that's not even a hard choice for like Hollow Knight is the buy without question. And at that point, you can burn the other three. If you can have all three of them, you burn them. <laughs> oh my god! Just fucking keep Hollow Knight. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, that's initially that's wanted easy to go for with you. God that's... of War for the PS4, but then mm. I realized Chris had not played that yet. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I gave him a copy, and he's just sitting on it like a fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it makes for a comfortable seat. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> sitting on it right now, keeping my butt warm. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, that was awesome. Thanks for thanks for going through a buy and burn with us. Um, you know, let's. I'm curious. Uh, you know, first off, maybe for our listeners, um, if they haven't listened to the Stone Age Gamer podcast, maybe you guys want to give us a little take on uh, what the show's about, what you guys do. I mean, it's mostly like lawn and garden talk. Is <laughs> yes. basically what it what it devolves into <laughs> most of the time. Um, because we Chris and I are be fascinated with our lawn equipment. Yeah, I mean we're we're just we're we're late thirties. I mean I just turned forty, um, so I'm the old man of the group. Uh, even though Chris will be forty this year, I will. But, uh, right, you'll be forty or thirty-nine. Second. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, so I'm the same age as Donkey Kong, basically. Yeah, be, being uh, being forty years old at this point now, the two of us um, kind of just go through and and ramble about life and 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 how games kind of tie into our lives. And yeah, we we try to tie it back to video games most of the time. But it, we've been doing this this show for you know five or six years at this point, and it. it 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 started out very much as a focus thing with I think we had seventeen co hosts at one point. It was it was a fucking mess. Um and eventually when we when we got it down to just me and Chris, it became like this is what we probably always should have been doing, and that's no offense to any of our other uh co hosts who we have had in the past, one of which was my wife. Um, you know, so certainly no offense to her. Not that she's li- she doesn't listen to our show, she's Cut not gonna out. listen to your show, no offense. <laughs> Um, none taken you know but but it really has become this this weekly show where we talk about video games we talk about you know hanging up our christmas lights and and dealing with with shit with our kids and it's it's become um it's become a life podcast as much i think as it has a video game podcast if i can uh, if i can steal from colt cabana and his uh wrestling podcast where it's a, it's a wrestling podcast it's a life podcast kind of what this has turned into and and really it's uh it, it, i'm trying to piece this together in my brain here because i had a good idea and then something shiny distracted me <laughs> <laughs> which is the story of my life um yeah it's the the, the whole we did have a, a whole lot of stuff i really wanted to when we started the podcast it was just me and dean and i brought dan in on like the second episode and the idea was i was a huge fan of uh nintendo world reports radio free nintendo podcast and i wanted that to be what we did i wanted to recreate that and they had uh four people on their podcast and i was like i want to have four people on this podcast i just want to do what they do because i enjoyed listening to that show so so much and in trying to figure out what i wanted the show to 
in trying to make the show something that somebody else was doing, I kind of never really saw what I wanted the show to be until we started paring things down. And then, like Dan said, once it became the two of us, it just we are the the name itself makes sense because we are Stone Age people, right? And the the age of video games and 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 TikToks and kids with their hula hoops and fax machines. We are ancient, you know. Damn kids just hula hooping and faxing. <laughs> Christ, get off my lawn! Uh, that was a mystery science theater reference for for you kids at home. Look look up Frank Conniff. He's a wonderful man. Uh, th- th- that's kind of like where we are. So like we talk about not just what it is to be, we don't just talk about video games to talk about what it is to be gamers of our age, because that's, that, that, that's what gives us our weekly therapy, basically, you know, <laughs> like I just get to talk to Dan about, well, this is the shit that happened in my life. And 90% of it revolves around video games in some way anyway. So it works as a video <laughs> game podcast. Yep. And that's that's just kind of where we landed. So we talked a little bit, this being part two, obviously we talked a little bit in part one, but um, how, did, how did the affiliation with the Stone Age Gamer like site or store come up? I mean, you guys obviously named it. Um, where did that connection come in? All right. So <laughs> before Geekade launched, it was, no, it was, this was after Geekade launched, right? Uh, Dean, uh, me and Dean and, uh, and me and a gentleman named Dean DeFalco and another one named Evan Goldstein, we formed geekade.com and Dean wanted to have a video game podcast. And he said, all right, I want to do a video game podcast and I want you to be on it because I love talking about video games and we're going to call it Stone Age Gamer. And I'm like, that sounds familiar. He's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so we start doing the show, and I just trusted him. Like, it's yeah, good. Sure. It's, don't worry about it. It's fine. I, I'm, I, I get. I, it sounds familiar, but it must just be because it's a really good name. So let's go with it. So we went with it, and then like 13 episodes in, I did some research. I, I went to a store, uh, one of my favorite video game stores. It's in uh, uh, North Jersey called uh, Digital Press. And I was trying to promote my, my fancy new podcast. And I was like, hey, I'm the host of the Stone Age Gamer podcast. And the guy behind the counter was like, oh, I love Stone Age Gamer. I love your EverDrives. And I'm like, I don't know what Thanks. EverDrive is. <laughs> What's a, I don't what, know what you're talking drive? about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I go home and I get on the Internet and I look up Stone Age Gamer and... There's a whole website, a well-established <laughs> website with its own brand of flashcards and... I was just like, well, Dean, <laughs> uh, Stone Age Gamer is a thing and like not a small thing either. So we should do something about this. Uh, so I reached out to them and we sent the, I sent them an email. I was like, look, we're only 13 episodes into this podcast. We are a nothing little website. Uh, if you're cool with us keeping the name, that's great. Uh, if you want us to change it, that's also fine with us. Whatever you want us to do, this was our mistake. And uh, Ryan, the one of the owners of StoneAgeGamer.com, uh, sent us back this hilarious email about, like, we had our high-powered lawyers look over things, and, like, it was <laughs> really funny. And I was like, oh, my God, these guys actually think we're kind of cool. And they said, we've listened to your show, and uh, how would you guys like to be the official podcast of Stone Age Gamer? Because at that point, they had been looking into ways to expand their their presence as a business and one of the ways to do that for an online store because they there's a physical location which 
only oh, really? opened somewhat recently. Uh, it's it's in Ohio, uh, but there's also uh, it started off as an online store. That's what it, we primarily are a, in an online store. And so one of the ways that they wanted to expand the business was to have more social things in it. Like eventually they hired me to write their blog and we, so we, we do their podcast and I write their blog and, and now I actually work for the company and do a, a bunch of different things for them. Uh, but the, it all just kind of snowballed from this mistake of us accidentally stealing their name and then them saying, well, if you want, just be our official podcast and we'll put your stuff on our site and uh, just, just go at it from there. And that's really, that's really how it all connected together. So that's why the, our podcast is on both geekade and stoneagegamer.com. Um, so there's this kind of like little bit of a difference there, but we're, we're a geekade podcast and we're stoneagegamer.com's official podcast. And I, I'm very fortunate that I actually really like their stuff. So yeah. <laughs> once I learned what an EverDrive was, I was like, oh, that's cool. Oh, this is and, really cool. <laughs> so now it's a long, long, fun history. And it's now since the pandemic and I lost my actual job because of the pandemic. Now Stone Age Gamer is my job and hopefully it all continues to be good. <laughs> that's a wow. crazy story. I mean, think if you guys have been like, we're going to be the Wu-Tang Clan podcast. Like, right? Your life could have been so much different. Oh, my God. Do you know how bad I want to be in the Wu-Tang Clan? That has been, like, my life goal this whole fucking time. I was going to call myself Killer Vanilla and everything. Yes. I love that. I love that. That sucks for us, though, because all we can look into is selling timeshares for people. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Ryan. I was like, oh, can we Google and see if there's anything that's bigger? Oh, that we can there's maybe... plenty. Take your pick. None of it's fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it. It, it, it really is such a crazy thing, too, because Ryan absolutely could have been a regular person and been and listen. Like, he listened to our podcast and then still wanted us to be a part of it. And it was like, I don't, dude, did you listen to the podcast or like the first five minutes of the podcast? I'm not sure if you made it through all the episodes. And, and going back to listen to those early episodes, they're not good. No, like they're, they're not. They're, they're just not good. But but he was, he was, you know, generous enough and kind enough to... to just have us be a part of it and, and we certainly owe a decent chunk of our audience to ryan um for allowing us to keep that name and then promoting us in his store and on the website yeah, yeah and we we also got a lot of one of the th this is really good advice that he gave us and one of the things that he talked to us about before officially like really extending the offer was he asked why we do this podcast and he said that the, the most important thing about internet longevity, not that like he's the pro, but he had been around on the internet longer than us. It's like, if you're trying to do this to become internet famous, then it's not going to go anywhere. If you're doing this because you love doing it, then you'll probably stick around. And he was a hundred percent right. Like, yeah, because we clearly not doing it to get rich, <laughs> but, uh, but we do it because we love to do it. And yeah, like the idea of doing this to become internet famous is ridiculous because you're just, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's one of many things it's like, you know, Dan and I have both been in bands that we, none of our bands hit it big, not because we weren't talented because we didn't, we weren't in the right place at the right time, which is 90% yeah. of this kind of stuff. 
If you're one of the first people to do it and it catches on, you win. If you're in the right place, the right person looks at your show and says, hey, listen to this show. And then a couple hundred thousand people now listen to your show because somebody, some other influencer told them to do it. Like, that's how this stuff works 90% of the time. There are so many... I, I keep emailing Kylie Jenner, and she just fucking. Who are you? Stop it! I'm not listening to your stupid show. Do you All have right, a restraining Kylie, order as well? What's that? What's that? Do you have a restraining order as well with Kylie? Jenner? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's weird. I don't know what's going on with me there, but it's like a weird Eskimo Brothers kind of thing, but like just restraining orders. It's not nearly yeah, it, as cool. Yeah, it's nothing like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That's what the show is about usually is us devolving into uh bidet and Eskimo brothers jokes. That's <laughs> that's kind of how I, you get to it. I haven't laughed so hard talking about a bidet. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you guys got to listen to to part 1. It was it was hilarious talking about bidet, talking to some some Midwest guys that are like, "Oh, you, so some water shoots in your butts?" Like that's that's what it does. Oh. See, and like, fair, I, we had this conversation recently, and I, I'm not from the Midwest, and I was just as mystified by this whole thing. <laughs> I, I am, I am the the token coastal elite. I, I definitely, I wear that with a, with a badge of honor, I suppose. I, I think one of the things about uh about our show that I certainly enjoy about it, and that I hope other people like about it too, is that uh. Uh, Chris does way more preparation than I do, certainly. Um, I do little to no preparation. Chris does slightly more than that. Um, but our show <laughs> is not a scripted... Th- like, it. our show happens. We sit down, and what we end up talking about over the course of this two and a half hours that, that we spend together on Mondays is just what what eventually ends up happening and some weeks are are hilarious and hysterical and really great and other times the world is beating us down and and we don't we're not as funny as we are but it's never a thing where we don't sit down and write jokes you know we 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 just talk to each other and i think that comes through in, in a genuine way on the show yeah absolutely and i think you know to give you guys some credit too is is as far as some of the organization, I like, I like that you guys do some of the, you know, you'll do a topic for an episode. I also love that you've got the recurring segments, you know, you've got your 10, 20, 30, which is now the 10, 20, 30, 40, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's cool that you guys get the mix of like some of these shows that are very, I guess, more structured. And then there's somewhere I'm listening to you explain how you rescued a baby bird. And I'm wondering why you didn't just like step on it, but you know, that that's fun too. I'm now wondering Having rescued that baby bird and having that little asshole in this house, she's such a bitch. My God, it's not. Which is not a of all the words that come out of my mouth, bitch is not one that I use very often. I don't care for it. I don't like the the connotations around it. This bird is a bitch, and, like, and I'm often wondering now, like. As I'm getting up off the couch, my wife will be like, watch the bird. I'm like, I am. I'm trying to fucking step on her because she sucked. <laughs> I saved her life, and she's very ungrateful. 
Uh, I feel like that way with my kids some days. Right? <laughs> Them too. Right? But like, so ungrateful. Don't step on the kids. Uh, <laughs> trying to. <laughs> They're always underfoot. It's impossible to miss them. Oh, my God. How, how old are your kids? I got uh, going to be 11, going to be 9, and then two months. So. All right, so... So you got you got the same thing I do. Like eleven year, like do, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Like <laughs> that's that? right. <laughs> it's yep. a daily. Dude, if I call your name from across the house, don't ever respond with what. Get up from what you're doing and come over yes. here. I called you because I have something to say to you, or you need to do something that I don't want to do. Yep, that's my sermon in my house every every single day. I think I just had that in, in my car when, as I was driving to school. I was like, "I love you guys, but you guys suck right now. You need to, you really need to pick up the pace, okay?" Guys are not holding up your end of this deal, right? This is just Give a lot of work you. on my end. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I had to take out the trash because you didn't. <laughs> because you wouldn't. <laughs> yep. You were in your room doing homework or something. And no, you weren't. Don't lie to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, too. You know, we talked that you, you guys mentioned briefly, like, the, the founding of Geekade. And what kind of inspired that? I mean, uh, just out of curiosity. We don't have to go over the entire history, but. All right. So, um, all right. Dean had this site called Geek Life. G33K. <laughs> Classy. Yeah, right? it, was, it was really something special, but Super it was neat. something special. You know, it was the idea was to create something that was like, we don't just want to do what we want to do what, what other people are doing. We want to kind of centralize it because the whole idea was. Evan and Dean started talking to me about this idea of like, we want to create a geek centric centric website. We want to create this kind of hub for information. And I was just like, okay, but I can't be a part of it because if I do, it's just going to run my life, but I'll help consult, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you about it. And so they kept talking to me about it. And then eventually it was just like, you're going to be editor in chief of this website. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, and the idea behind it was the whole what's your geek thing. Like, uh, my inspiration for the direction we wanted the site to go is like, I, I don't drink. I don't, I find alcohol disgusting. It's not a moral thing or anything like that. I just all taste like Robitussin to me. <laughs> so, uh, but I listened to my friend Joe or I've listened to Dan talk about beer and it's fascinating. I, I could just listen to them talk about it, and the reverence that they talk about this subject that I have zero interest in was fascinating. Uh, listening to Dan talk about wrestling, listen, uh, all of these different aspects of, of things that you can geek out over were things that I wasn't necessarily interested in, but I could learn things about them and understand why people loved them so much from listening to people talk about them passionately, the way I talk about video games and Star Wars and stuff. So I thought it would be a cool thing to have a kind of one-size-fits-all site that was dedica dedicated to the idea of people being passionate about their specific geekdom. So if everybody's talking about these things, even if they're things that you're not interested in, like, say, I found Geekade because I liked 
reading articles about beer that, that Dan would write. But then next to that article would be like, here's an article about cosplay, or here's an article about automating the lights in your house. But they're written with the same kind of passion. So the idea would be to open up and open up the reader's eyes and ears to other things that people are geeky about and to learn to appreciate them that way. Obviously, this didn't really work because when you have this many different subjects, then you lose any kind of focus. And even though the idea I still believe is sound, people don't look at websites that way anymore. People aren't going to sure. a website. When was the last time you went to a website? You, you, this information is dis- disseminated through social media platforms and stuff, and it just doesn't, it just doesn't work that way. And with a full time job, it was a second full-time job on top of it. So the idea is still there and we're trying it through different management means now to, to, to keep the whole thing going. But the, the, the core of it has been, I think the thing since the beginning, the core has always been really the podcasts and some of the articles and the whole idea of geekade remains the same. It's just about, well, what is your geek? And if we find somebody that is passionate, good about talking about their passions enough that it makes sense to us, then that content is welcome on our site. And that's, that's kind of the basics. Yeah. Very cool. I I mean, I think the site is interesting in, in just kind of like you mentioned, just the different areas it covers. Like there's a good amount of diverse topics. I know like you're saying, it, it seems like now it's, I don't know what are their three video game podcasts now with uh, Dean's new uh, right. Yeah. Dean's yeah. got that. And then we have Stone Age Gamer and your show and technically Wave Back. Uh, that's my oh, video yeah, that's game right. music yeah, podcast. Music. Yes. But that's just about video game music. So, yes. um, so yeah, it, it winds up being pretty centric on what we're interested in uh, more than anything else. But that's just kind of the way it all lands right now, which isn't to say it's always going to be that way in the future. I would love to have somebody else take over uh, writing about things like beer again or writing about uh, movies and whatnot. But the problem is, is that we make no money on this. We don't right. have advertisers. We don't get enough traffic to attract advertisers. So we can't pay anybody. So we don't make any money to begin with either. So it's like, we're all managing this for free and anybody who wants to contribute to the site is contributing for free. So if I have to track people down to get articles published, I, what am I going to lord over them? Like, this isn't right. your job. This is your I'm hobby. I'm going to take away your free space online. <laughs> I, I guess I didn't realize I wasn't getting paid to do this crossover episode, so I think we're going to cut this thing short. <laughs> so we're done, right? Um, I will okay. pay you in bison dollars, okay? <laughs> yeah. It is, though. Like, it, it's really hard to find people that are passionate enough about a particular thing to also do it for free you know like there are plenty of people that are passionate about a ton of stuff in their life you know but to then to then turn that into something that they are going to enjoy doing and enjoy not getting paid for because it does take a significant amount of time you know out of your week or whatever now chris and i don't edit the show thankfully we have evan and angie to help us with that um but chris has edited edited the show before and when you add that on top of it, like you're, you're asking for a decent time sink oh, yeah. for something that ultimately the only reward at the end of the day is the enjoyment that you get doing it. And that's not enough for everybody. 
And we totally get that. You know, that's that's totally understandable. Yeah. No, yeah, I hear that. That's great. It's got to be tough for articles, especially because it's just you're just putting it out in the world. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, a podcast like we were talking is it's kind of just a hangout for some of us. You know, it's a it's a yeah. group call for the most yeah. part. So you're getting we're getting something out of it. Whereas like an article, I could see it's it's a little less rewarding, maybe. Man, I, mean, I got really I got to tell of... you, like the the articles that and just me personally, the articles that I was writing specifically the bits and brews series of pairing craft beer and video games i put just an absurd amount of thought and work into those and i thought they were really cool and chris thought they were really cool and chris is the only person that has ever been like these are really cool so i stopped writing them you know because like i can just do that in my head i don't have to spend the eight to twelve hours that it takes me to put that whole thing together you know of really trying to why does Goose Island's Bourbon County Stout pair with Mega Man 2? Like, that's a weird <laughs> fucking ask to get to. But right. trying to find that through line between those two things and marry them together in a way that makes sense and is still engaging and interesting to read is a lot of work. And when that doesn't get any traction, it's like, all right, well, I don't have to do that. You know, I can still do the podcast and still get the enjoyment and not you know, drive myself crazy thinking about, well, what's this one going to be? You know, what's the next thing? And with the yeah. writing, uh, kind of to your, your, your question about that, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am a writer. I love writing and I'm very fortunate that I get paid to do it, but I, I mean, I don't get paid much to do it. I mean, I, I write for Nintendo force magazine too. And, the bulk of the, 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 uh, I guess compensation I get for that is occasional review copies of games, but uh, it's similar to the podcasting, uh, at least for me, it's like writing is just kind of like this compulsive thing. It's like me thinking, but in a, in a way that I can have a little bit more control over instead of just on the fly word barfing. So I'll, I, I was writing for Geekade constantly and I will write, one article for Stone Age Gamer every single week, and I'd probably still be writing every single week, even if I wasn't getting paid to do it, because it's just this good thought exercise, and I feel really good doing it. Um, and the writers that we still have on staff at Geekade feel the same way. Like they want to write something because they want to write something. They want to. They have a thing that they want to get out and talking on a podcast isn't as easy for for a lot of people it's it it is hard it's something that is i think a lot of people take for granted because everybody and their mother has a podcast and then you listen to some of the podcasts and it's just this weird awkward thing there is a certain rhythm that has to be found to have the right people to be able to communicate with one another to make that something that is enjoyable for other people to listen to it's not just about the content it's how the content is presented so for some people writing is just that's that exact same kind of thing except uh a different medium one that works better for them to get their thoughts out into the world and then try to create a conversation or even just have that satisfaction of saying i said this thing there it's done and it's not just a a a little blog post or a facebook post or something like that this is a thing that has been published on a website with my name at the bottom of it and that's something that i can say i've done and I, so I think that's how that works. It is harder to find people that want to do that, 
but the people that we have found that want to do that, um, even though sometimes it's hard to, to track them down whenever they send me their work, it's, uh, we have this, this guy, Jonathan, who uh, hosts a, a comic book and X-Men podcast for our website. And he still writes for us, even though he doesn't have the time to do it, but he writes these anime articles about this weird anime stuff that I'd never watch in a million years, but he has such a passion <laughs> for it and such a great way with words. And he's such a, such a talented writer. And we're, I'm, we're so lucky to have him working for the site because every single time he sends an article our way, we barely have to edit it. It's just, he just got better at it as he as he did it and uh any time any of the writers that we currently have on staff send us stuff and we don't have to do much to it to make it readable because it's written purely for the sake of wanting to write something uh similar to the way that we do podcasts so yeah (laughs) i don't know that's awesome that's awesome i mean it's great when you can do it and you're doing it for yourself and you know just it makes I think it makes the whole the end product, whether it's an article, a video, or a podcast, that much more relatable um to the audience, you know, if that's the case. Um and I'm sure, you know, you guys like us, you put a lot of this stuff out and sometimes it feels like it's going into a vacuum, but you know, all it takes is like that one comment. Maybe somebody goes out of their way and sends that positive email or you get a comment on, on something you did and I don't know. I mean those are like the moments even though they might be sparse, they just kind of really make you appreciate the time you sink into it, even though you're not getting compensated, you know? Well, we do a, I, I do a TV show podcast with a Stonish gamers editor. Um, our podcast editor, Evan, um, me, Evan, uh, his fiance and my wife do a TV show podcast. It's got like no listeners. And we had considered just stopping doing it a couple of times, but those handful of listeners really enjoy the show and they've thanked us for it and it's like yeah well hell no i'm not stopping now i don't care if it's like 10 people listening to the show those we make their days better like by sitting around in a basement and talking about tv shows we have made somebody else's day better for free mm-hmm. that's awesome <laughs> so so i there was a certain point where i would really beat myself up for like man what are we doing wrong why don't we have more listeners on these shows because I think we have a really good product. And then it just kind of hit me like, well, it doesn't matter because the people that are listening enjoy it and they tell us that they enjoy it. And that's, that, that, that's, that's, that's a hell of a payment when you can put that kind of positivity out in the world, when you can say that you do this thing that makes you feel good, but also entertains other people. Like listeners tell us that they uh, work overnights and we help get them through their overnight shifts. Like that's great. That's awesome. This is somebody I've never met in person uh, Mm -hmm. and probably never will, but I've had a positive effect on their life. And that's, that's a wonderful feeling. So that's, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's really great. And I know for us getting to go and do some of the conventions that we do um or have done in the past. Now, I and I'm always like the biggest fucking curmudgeon about this kind of stuff. <laughs> like I I enjoy doing it while I'm there, but I hate going to it. You know what I mean? I'm like, god, I don't want to go do that. But then we then I get there and there are people there to see us because they enjoy the show because they know who we are because we we make a difference in their in their life and putting that sort of positivity out into the world and making a difference in somebody's life really is as corny as it sounds um 
you know, it, it really does kind of make the entire thing worth it of, you know, you're sitting there in a room full of people that showed up because we've made them laugh or we've connected them to something that they had forgotten about or they just, they happened to stumble across our silly ass show and it brought some small amount of joy to their lives. And really at the end of the day, there's, there's not much more that we could ask for than that you know we we talk about it all the time that i think we have a phenomenal show i think our show is as good as any other podcast that you'll find rated in itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever you get your fine podcast um you know i think we we belong on that list not because i want the recognition but because i do genuinely like the fact that we can bring that joy to people and i would like more people to feel joy in their lives you know i'm i'm old enough now to where that's the kind of thing that i care about i don't i don't care about likes for my own personal sake i care about the things that we're doing because it could help somebody else you know and it, it's something that i try to tell my kids all the time to to get serious for a second about it you know it's something that i try to tell my daughters all the time of like you legitimately don't know most of the people that you know you go to school with all these kids and you're like oh my friend this and my friend that i'm like you've never been to their house you don't know what their life is like you don't know what other people are struggling with or what they're going through maybe they have an amazing life maybe they have a horrible life and we're the same way we don't know our listeners apart from the interactions that we have at conventions or through our discord or facebook or twitter or any of those things and not knowing what people have going on in their lives and trying to imagine people complexly if we can give that person something some dopamine hit that helps them get through their day a little bit then then that's really good enough for me you know yeah that's awesome i mean i know i sure appreciate your guys' show i mean i reached out <clears throat> to geekade through you know stone age gamer and it was, it's a, it's a very, like you said, it's a very solid product. A lot of the stuff you guys do on Geekade is really solid. Um, more people should listen to it and certainly we appreciate it. I consider myself, uh, a pretty big fan. So, um, I love well, what thanks, you guys man. do. Yeah. I appreciate your that. Fan, you're fangirling, right? I, I kind of am. Cause I was Set, like the dorky guy who was down, like, I really buddy. love this podcast. I wonder if I can be on their website oh too. And, well, and like, you guys and were awesome so, enough to let us. That's so like weird. I know for me, and I think it is for Chris too. I don't need, I, I don't mean to speak for you, Chris, but like, we're fucking schmucks from New Jersey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're just two, two guys that are, are, are just sitting in, you know, Chris is in his basement. I'm out in my garage. And, you know, to, to think that there were people out in the world that are like, oh, these guys have this thing. They must be something. You know, like for us, it's just, we're we're just too like we're we're about the easiest two people that you could ever talk to. You know what I mean? Like we're we're not the kind of people that it's like unapproachable sort of thing. But but I get it too, right? Because you listen to these podcasts and it just seems like this thing that other people do, mm -hmm. right? And I and can I be part of that club? And that's kind of the spirit of geek aid is that you know yes yes you can you're passionate about something you care about something that's good enough for 
for us, and it should be good enough for anybody, but it's damn sure good enough for us. I'm inspired. I love it. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, my nipples just I, got I've hard. Listen to a couple of you, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I've listened to a couple of you guys podcasts and, and I think you guys are on to something too. I mean, I, I really enjoyed listening to your shows. So keep up, keep up what you're doing. You guys are doing great. Appreciate it. And I appreciate the continued uh, support from Geekade and everybody there. You guys have a great platform. We're happy to be a part of it. And I'd love to keep chatting. There's so much more I'd like to talk about, but I know we're probably all sitting here several hours in, our ass is asleep. Um, <laughs> we do need to address the question that we left unanswered to, to be continued. We do. we do. So Mega Man This is 2, a very easy question to answer. I agree with you. Mega Man oh, 2 yeah. or Mega Man 3? I'll let Nate. Nate seems like he's ready to go. I choose Bubsy. For a quick answer, I'm going to say Mega Man 2. Yes. All day. That's right, Chris. You're off the island. All day, air day. That was me, my gangster lingo. That's right. It sounded good. Authentic. Yeah, do you know what a gangster is, Nate? I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, No. Okay. It's, They're it's not in so, North Dakota, I hear. So so much more authentic when you pronounce it with that hard R at the end of it. That's, that <laughs> yep, really yep. shows that you're... It's, it's a pirate. It's a pirate gang. Every <laughs> day. I, I mean, we did a Byron Burn of 2, 3, and 4 a while ago now, and it was... We, we probably... We Which I don't recommend horribly. playing two, three, should, four in a row. That's not good. Yeah, we should have been like banned from talking about Mega Man after that. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to go with three. I thought three. Yes. Oh, you're one of those little bit sickos. Get I'm, out of here! I'm going with two, like a normal American. There you go. Thank you, sir. <laughs> All right. Well, Andy, you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Looks Man, like Andy and Chris need to start so a podcast. Well. <laughs> the real answer is eight because I love those videos. <laughs> the, the, the anime why Mega we? Man is. Why we? I am happy to say that Mega Man Two is the official Mega Man of the Geek Aid Podcast Network. Amen. Uh, because we had yep. a, a democratic vote, and we're good. <laughs> I call for impeachment. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to keep arguing this. That was an election fraud. <laughs> if you look at the numbers, I had two. I had two. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this other vote came in. What was that about? Yeah, at 10 o'clock, I had two. What? People keep voting. I don't understand. We tried to get them off the road. It's, uh, okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's funny, but it's so sad at the same time. Yeah, it's... It is indeed both of those things. <laughs> uh, well, Chris, Dan, thanks so much for coming on. You know, to our listeners, please go check out part one. Listen to the Stone Age Gamer podcast. I think you'll enjoy it if you like our content. Um, and just, as always, check out Geekade. Uh, there's so much awesome stuff over there. But we should probably wrap this thing up. And, and Nate, that, that's your job. Well, Chris did an awesome job on their podcast, and it just made our outro look like 
heard. So step it up. Uh, I, I got to really step it up. But I got an email. We have an email, boys, to share real quick. Our, our friend Cestus sent an email. I believe he is from France, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but he says, first of all, Happy New Year to you and your families, even the demonic children who drain the life out of controllers. Happy New Year <laughs> to all the listeners as well. Your resolution should be to send more emails to your favorite podcast finally my gaming resolutions might be to first play more games i accumulated on steam i always play one or two games but i have hundreds i got either free or through humble bundles i should really play those finally i want to play and finish however many years it's gonna take all the translated japanese exclusive rpgs <laughs> on super famicom which that's not insane. enough time wow. not enough time there buddy no i wish you all the great 2021 gaming year i filled with fun and laughter whether it be alone with friends or family keep up this great podcast alive for another year it survived 2020 it can survive the controller draining kid apocalypse by cestus Oh, thank you, so buddy. Much, man. Happy New Year. Yes, thank you for uh, sending that email. Of course, you can send emails to us anytime. You can even send emails to Stone Age Gamers. I'm sure they appreciate it as well. But to we send do. emails to us, send them to weekend rental podcast at gmail.com make sure you're following us on all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, all of those good things. We don't have and Instagram. You- Oh yeah, we don't have Instagram. Screw Instagram. <laughs> so you close. never you don't even need it. I saw I saw an Instagram logo as I was scrolling through my my script here. So, you know, Instagram we should try. <laughs> Anyways, screw Instagram. We don't need it. But Facebook, that's where it's at. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, Tinder, all of those things, TikTok and whatever you do, and you can find all things weekend rental at weekendpodcast.com as well as geekade.com and as always friends be kind rewind <laughs>